of course. Um, it says, we believe that genuine believers are only those who endure to the end. Their persevering attachment to Christ is the grand mark which distinguishes them from those who falsely profess faith in Christ. Now, what about sin? Well, it speaks about that. Christians may fall into sin, which grieves the spirit, impairs their graces and comforts, brings reproach on the church and temporal judgments on themselves, yet they shall be renewed again to repentance and be kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. So oftentimes it's those temporal judgments that wake us up. It's a harsh awakening. <laughs> it's a painful, it's maybe embarrassing awakening. And yet the Lord in his mercy does that for us. So we're going to consider three points about utilizing the rod of correction with our children this morning. And then we'll talk about a few common questions or common objections. Uh, the objections aren't listed on your paper. And so you might, yeah, you're going to have to find some space if you're going to write down some, some of those later on. But the first of the three points that I want to point out is there, Roman number one, all children have sinful natures and will disobey both us and God. All children have sinful natures and will disobey both us and God. To understand God's plan, we need to hear what God says about the nature of our children. If children were born ethically and morally good or even neutral, as the world alleges, then they do not need correction. They only need instruction. They just need more rules. They just need the rules stated again, or with different words. And this is what other religions teach about children and people in general. We just need to know the rules better. And we simply need instructions and more exertion of our willpower so that we can be good. And this is, of course, what Islam teaches, just to point out one religion. We need to know the rules and through simple willpower, obey the rules. But is a child's most basic problem a lack of information, a lack of instruction? Are all the problems gone once they get enough education or once you reiterate the rules again and again and again? Well, of course not. Children are not born morally and ethically good or neutral. The Bible teaches that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. That's Jeremiah 17, 9. The child's problem is not primarily an information deficit. <laughs> the problem is that he is a sinner just like you and I. The rod then, as it is called in scripture, functions in this context. It's addressed to meet needs within the child. These needs cannot be met simply through communication and talking to our children. So if you remember Proverbs 22:15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. And when this passage speaks of folly, it's not talking about mere childishness. So children spill milk, they pull things apart without knowing they can come apart. They, uh, 
you know, run a, tr run a tricycle or a bicycle over a parent's toes by accident. Um, and we do not discipline for childishness or even just immaturity. But we discipline for folly or foolishness. Foolishness is not simply silliness. It is sin. In Proverbs, foolishness is sin. In Proverbs, it relates folly or foolishness to the person who has no fear of God. He will not hear correction. The fool will not submit to authority. He mocks God and lacks wisdom. It says in Psalm 14.1, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Who is the fool's God? Himself. The fool lives out of the immediacy of his lusts, his cravings, his expectations, his hopes, his fears. So ultimately, when we address misbehavior, disobedience in our children, it's a question of obeying authority. Will the child live under the authority of God and therefore under the authority of his parents or under his own authority? driven by his own wants and passions. Now, for those of you who don't have children, I want you to trust that this statement is true. And if you've been around any of our children for any length of time, you've probably seen it to be true, <laughs> right? Children in their natural state have hearts of folly. They resist correction. They do not have to be taught how to disobey. <laughs> it comes very naturally. And if we allow this attitude to take root and grow all the way up through their teen years, we will have childlike children in an adult-sized body who will submit to no one, no rule, no authority, certainly not God, apart from our saving intervention in their lives. God's, God's, often God's saving intervention through us. Um, if they do obey at that time, even though they've not properly learned authority, they're obeying simply for their own benefit. Not because it's good and right. Not out of a humble heart, but out of a selfish heart. Any questions? Let me stop right there. So that's the first one. Our children are sinners. <laughs> Sorry to break it to you. Any questions? All right, that one's kind of self-evident. I probably don't, I don't need to teach that one uh, too, too strongly. But number two, the rod is an important tool for driving out foolishness. Biblically speaking, God has ordained the rod of discipline for these situations where our children disobey. Biblical discipline drives foolishness from the heart of a child. The young child who is refusing to be under authority is in a place of grave danger. Grave danger. Not just, not just when they're going to maybe run out into the middle of the street, but anytime they're disobeying and it's allowed to continue, they're in danger. Um, remember that proverb... Uh, the proverb that Nissen read, 
Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. And then there's a parallel statement after it, so it helps us know what does he mean by will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul from death. So that's what he means by he will not die. He will not spiritually die. Your task when you uh, exercise corrective discipline using the rod or spanking, your task is to rescue your child from death. Faithful, timely, and controlled use of corrective discipline is a God-ordained tool of rescue. Now, this rescue will not happen with mere education, and it will not occur naturally if you simply wait it out. So sometimes a parent might ask, don't all children eventually learn to obey? No, they don't. (laughs) Again, oftentimes, uh, as they get older, they may learn to obey when it's convenient for them for their own selfish purposes. But that's not the kind of obedience that we want to be teaching them. Now, it's vitally important that we remember that context matters. Again, I'm going to repeat myself there. Use of the rod is not a matter of a fed-up parent venting his or her wrath upon a small, helpless child. That is not how we image God in our children's lives. Ultimately, um, the Lord is the avenger. He will repay not us. So rather, the use of the rod signifies a faithful parent humbly recognizing his child's dangerous state and lovingly employing a God-given remedy. So the issue is not a parental insistence on being obeyed. And this is a little bit tricky to think about. The issue is not just uh, a parent insisting, you must obey me. That's closer to authoritarianism. Um, In other words, we use the rod with our children to impress upon them wisdom, not simply enforce a demand for us to be obeyed. It's for their benefit, not for our benefit. I confess that I think as as a parent, that was perhaps something that I would stray into in the disciplining of my daughters sometimes, that I wanted to uh, enforce obedience just because I insisted I must be obeyed. Um, The issue is the child's need to be rescued from death, the death that results from rebellion left unchallenged in the heart. If they don't learn repentance, they will die in their sin. So that's how important it is. Well, how does the rod rescue? That proverb that Kate read to us, 2915, the rod of correction imparts wisdom. It imparts wisdom. The child who's not submitting to parental authority is acting foolishly. He is rejecting the jurisdiction of God. He desires to live his life for the immediate gratification of his wants and desires. He's choosing his own rule over God's and Scripture. Scripture makes it clear that this leads to death. It's the height of foolishness. 
So the rod of correction then brings wisdom to the child by one, providing an immediate tactile or sensory demonstration of the foolishness of rebellion. It teaches them foolishness or sin hurts. And second, it imparts to the child a proper fear of punishment. Properly administered biblical discipline with the rod thus teaches the child that rebellion yields only trouble and humbles the heart of a child, bringing him back under parental instruction. So Hebrews 12, 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So let's... Um, Let's define the rod a little more concretely. We've got a, a definition here, and this is from um, Ted Tripp in his book, Shepherding a Child's Heart. The rod is a parent in, faithful, in faith toward God and faithlessness, excuse me, <laughs> faithfulness toward his or her children undertaking the responsibility of careful, timely, measured, and controlled use of physical punishment to underscore the importance of obeying God, thus rescuing the child from continuing in his foolishness until death. That's on your handout, isn't it? I didn't, uh, I didn't bring the handout with me up here. So we're gonna go over some of the most important phrases in this definition, okay? So first, a parental exercise. The Bible does not grant permission to all adults to engage in the use of the rod with any child. Okay? In scripture, it is always found in the context of a parent-child relationship. It also says, he says in his definition, it's an act of faith. So God has mandated the use of the rod. The parent obeys, not because he perfectly understands how it works or because they're perfectly at peace with the biblical requirement, but because God has commanded it. Its use is an expression of confidence in God's wisdom and the trusty, trustworthiness of his counsel in the Bible. It's also an act of faithfulness this is an expression of love and commitment to your child, recognizing that in discipline there's hope and refusing, and, and in doing it, we are refusing to be a willing party to our child's spiritual death. We're not just going to stand by while they head toward hell, literally. It's a responsibility. Using the rod for our children's good is a parent's responsibility. We are God's representative undertaking on God's behalf what God has called us to do. It is measured and controlled use of physical punishment. Measured and controlled. The rod is careful, timely, measured and controlled use of physical punishment. It's never a venting of parental anger. It is not what the parent does out of frustration. 
The parent knows the proper measure of severity for this particular child at this particular time. And that requires discernment and wisdom on our part. So measured as in, and you'll see later as I give an example of how how a parent should perhaps walk through the process of spanking a child, uh, is that you decide how many swats you're going to spank them with, and then when you do it, you're under control. So those two words are, mean different things, measured and controlled. And it's a rescue mission, of course. I think, we've, I think I've made that clear enough that basically we're rescuing them from ultimately disobedience to God. Uh, Ted Tripp describes in his book, if, uh, if you get your hands on that book, he describes what he calls a biblical circle of safety for a child where they obey parents and honor parents. And once they are disobeying and dishonoring parents, they're out of that circle of safety and they're in danger. But the rod of correction moves them back into the circle of safety. Let me stop there. Um, so I've gone through that definition. Are there any questions? Any questions? So, yes, Nissen. Now uh, the questions start. Um, so you know, you mentioned one of the things is you mentioned it should, uh, you know, the benefit of using rod, you know, it provides immediate tactile, uh, you know, uh, yep. back to the child and rescues the child back into that circle of safety. But, you know, so many times some parents say that, you know, it doesn't work for our child. Yeah. And so then what, what, is, your, what is your wisdom? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna oh, to gonna, I'm gonna okay. come to that in the, uh, you know, the, uh, the common oh, okay. questions. Okay. But good question, good question. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Brian, you were mentioning like the context should be always between parents and child. The, the what? Context. Oh. Oh, yeah. Right. It's, it's a loving, the, the loving environment in your home, uh, full of biblical communication uh, with the goal of addressing heart issues in, in the child. That's the context. Yeah. So it's not just we spank. <laughs> There's more to it. So only we as a parents, we are allowed to do that? Or like, let's say, my parents, my brother, my close friends, mm. uh, let's say, for example, teachers. <laughs> I live, you with Arun and... Uh, right. For some, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, so, I'm just saying, like, yeah. Okay. I don't know. So, my desire is that, okay, if they are with Arun, at least Arun should discipline him, so is it right or wrong? You know, that's my question. Yeah. Maybe I'll have a follow-up question to that. What about other adults who are not just visiting, but live in them? Yeah, because mm -hmm. children who are sinful know how to push the boundaries when they restrict it only to parents. Right. They show that sinful behavior to right. the other people. Housemates. Housemates. If grandparents are there for months together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I personally think it's unwise to have people other than parents using the lot of correction with their children. And I think that 
Um, those are complex situations. They're, they're actually pretty common here, right? Um, if, uh, if you're in that type of circumstance, I think the parent needs to, needs to help whoever's around uh, understand what they're expecting of their child in terms of obedience. I think um, it means informing your child that while I'm not here and you're under the care or authority of this other person or other people, I expect you to obey them as if they were me and they will tell me if you disobey and there will be consequences for your disobedience when you're returned to my um, my oversight. Okay? Yeah. So I think um, that's what I would say. We kind of saying it slightly different, but one of the definitions of this is that the, at least at a younger age, what happens is that the punishment needs to be immediate in order for the child to understand the context of the punishment. That's right. So, well. so, so we were dealing, they were two years old with issues of biting. Um, yeah. We were able to quickly resolve it for me and Ruth. Right. And that behavior continued with others because they were not. You not weren't that right there, right? And too much time elapsed before they came under your oversight. Correct. So then we had to actually give the freedom for them also in certain circumstances to mm. impart that discipline. Yeah. So I suppose maybe the, the, there is something of a distinction between the parents' primary role of the rod and the discipline versus, would you suggest that there is some wisdom, you know, when there are people living in the home, to say, well, this is unwise for you to do this. I think, you know, I'm going to talk to your parents about this. So as, or as opposed to the people around not doing anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not suggesting necessarily that, that I shouldn't do anything at all. Right. Um, I just think... Um, it becomes, it becomes challenging for you as a parent to actually control how the rod of correction is being used. And I think it becomes difficult, um, especially for you, to, for that person um, to actually also engage in conversation with them about their heart, which is a necessary component of using a rod of correction. So I don't, I don't know, maybe if you had, for example, grandparents in the home and they were like completely on board with your view of parenting and their ability to actually use the rod of correction with the goal of addressing their heart. I think if all those things were in place, perhaps. But I think, I think that's really difficult. And I, you know, this is a kind of a, a difficult scenario um, that you're describing, Arun. I think the, the problem is the other way around. Right? I'm finding that other adults who live in the house do not want to touch the child and everything is to be forgiven. No. I'm having to actually yeah, yeah, yeah. force them to say, you cannot accept this behavior, you need to intervene and not wait for us. So it's actually the other way around that there's absolutely no discipline outside of the parents anyway. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yes. Um, just along with what you're saying, I wonder if instead of the rod itself, maybe mm -hmm. there's other kinds of punishment that others could have. So it's clear yeah. to the child that yeah. 
you know, the rod is reserved for the parents. I think that I think that is a possibility. Although I will say, with very young children, yeah. you know, two-year-olds, yeah. um, you know, taking away privileges is. I think it's it's of limited value. Right. Now, as a child gets older, I do think you can implement other punishments. Um, um, and of course, as the child gets older, the, there can be more distance of time between the disobedience and administering because they they remember and they you know they're older, they're more mature. They remember that they did wrong four hours ago. But I think I think this impress. I mean, I think this drives home the fact that I think especially in the early years, parents need to be with their children a lot. And um, yeah, I just, I think it's important. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say, you know, there can't be a situation where both parents are, are, work, are working. Um, I'm just saying that parents need to weigh that up. Um, are they noticing that their child under the care of a nanny, let's say, is increasingly disobeying, well then I think they need to seriously consider can we continue to be double income? Um, I mean, you, you, I think you could be rescue, risking your child's, I mean, I think it's really serious. Um, to abdicate that responsibility, if if that's what's happening, mm-hmm. so um, let me let me push on just in the interest of time. It's a good question um, and a challenging question too. Let me come back to it. Um, when and how do I use the rod? Okay, when when you've given a directive that your child has heard and understood and is within his or her capacity to obey and he or she has not obeyed, um, they've not challenged you or given an excuse. Excuse me. They have challenged you. Perhaps they've not obeyed. Maybe they challenged you uh, or gave an excuse. Maybe they um, delayed um, obeying. Um, And maybe they had a bad attitude then the use of the rod should likely be used. Um, so just want to say here too that bad attitudes are, are disciplinable. Bad attitudes should be disciplined. So whining, complaining, glaring at the parent, you know, um, rolling their eyes, hitting or kicking, uh, even hitting and kicking as you're trying to spank the child. That is a bad attitude. That's, um, that's rejecting the parent in the midst of it. And how, now let me walk through kind of a stepwise um, way, a, a possible example of how to spank. Take your child to a place where you can speak together in privacy. Okay? Don't humiliate 
your child. You, you're, the goal is not humiliation. It's not to embarrass them in front of other people. So, secondly, and I'm just going to use the word him here as if it's a boy. Tell him specifically what he has done or failed to do. So we, we never spank for just like, well, you're just generally being really difficult right now, so I'm going to spank you. Because <laughs> I know there's some foolishness in there, and I think the rod's going to drive it out. I can't name it. But <laughs> um, Three, secure an acknowledgement from your child of what he's done. Make sure they understand what they've done. So, for example, it might work like this. Um, little Peter, five years old, was told and clearly understood that he was not to call his sister stupid. <laughs> He's memorized Ephesians 4.29, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Um, but Peter, in front of his mother, angrily calls his sister stupid. <laughs> Completely believable. Peter, uh, the mother says, you were told not to say that to your sister. Go to the bathroom and wait for me. Okay? So you go to the, go to the bathroom or the toilet. The mother goes, to the t- goes in the bathroom, closes the door. Peter, what was it that you just called your sister? Now this is assuming a child does understand and they say stupid. <laughs> yes, I'd said that. That's right. Are you allowed to call her stupid? No. So did you obey or did you disobey? I disobeyed. And what does God say has to happen when a child disobeys? They get a spanking, says Peter. The mother says, I'm going to give you three spankings, three swats. Now, of course, this depends on what you know about your child. Um, You know... Some children, you know, they're just impervious to spanking. <laughs> they're kind of like, yeah, is that all you got? <laughs> um, you know, for others, you know, they're crying before you even land the first blow. <laughs> but you probably should still land the first blow or at least one blow. Um, so then you spank the child. It's not necessary to pull down underwear, but pants can be hard to spank through. Um, Some people use a plastic spoon or some other implement. Uh, You don't want to bruise your child in any way. That's abuse. Um, For even really young children, you're looking for something that stings. um, And that they obviously they register some kind of physical pain. Um, you don't necessarily need to pull diapers off of a two-year-old, so you might, you might spank their thigh instead. Um, a good rule of thumb might be that you spank the hand of a child before they're crawling and add the rod as they begin walking. Um, one thing that Ted Tripp says in his book, I don't have it in my notes here, but he says that um, if your child is um, 
is not able to uh, take care of their own personal hygiene. So they need to have their bottom wiped or you know, they need help with that. Then pulling off their diaper, let's say. Now he said, this, this says you don't need to pull off a diaper, but, but pulling off a diaper could be done because that child is in front of you without their clothes on regularly because you're taking care of them. Um, you're wiping their bottom, um, you're changing their diaper, let's say. But if the child is responsible for their own hygiene, they can go to the bathroom, they can wipe their own bottom, then in that case it's likely, it's likely unwise to cause them to pull down their pants because that becomes embarrassing. They don't need to be naked in front of you. Um, if the child begins to speak, and is crying heavily following the discipline, uh, you, you need to calm the child down, um, help them get under emotional control. I mean, you, can give, you don't have to immediately demand that, but help them with that. Um, help them quiet down and then speak to them. This is where it's really important. We need to speak to them to try to address their heart. So the mother might say, I love you very much and I hope I never have to spank you again. Uh, and now let's talk about what Jesus did to account for our disobedience. What did he do because we're obedient, you know? And we talk about the gospel. We talk about all disobedience against parents. It's also disobedience against God. And it deserves God's punishment. But we, and so that's sin. And you can explain the gospel in very simple terms. But Jesus came and died on the cross. He took our punishment so that we might uh, have a relationship with God. And we wouldn't have to take that punishment. Um, and you might pray with your child, hug your child. Um, you know, it's a, a check the child's spirit. So make sure that they're, are they overly discouraged? Um, or are they upset and rebellious? If they're upset and rebellious, well, then the disciplining might not be done. Um, so, and then it's good if they've committed sin against another child to go and ask for forgiveness and apologize. So that's the process, an outline. Um, and when we do this, ultimately our children, this will make our children feel, ironically, safe. They will feel safe because they know where the boundaries are and they, they know the consequences for disobeying. Um, all right. Now, let's talk about frequently asked questions. And I'm, I'm just gonna list them first. We're, we're right at 11, so I'm gonna try to wrap this up in 15 minutes. But um, here we go, frequently asked questions. When is my child old enough? When your child is old enough to consciously resist your directives, he is old enough to be disciplined. Uh, discipline does evolve with age. Um, so, yeah, I think that when a child is, 
you know, zero to one and a half, sometimes distraction uh, of that child is helpful. But that can't be the only tool in your toolkit, is just distraction. You're going to have to begin using the rod of correction at some point, and you should do it. Uh, and, and again, even it might be squeezing a hand, flicking a, a thigh, some kind of physical pain to teach them that they've disobeyed. Then there's the opposite question. When is a child too old? There's no obvious answer. Um, clearly, the use of the rod should be declining as the child gets older. Um, the rod is most effective in dealing with young children, and I would say should begin to dwindle in use in the later single digits of, of age. In the later single digits of age. Okay. Frequently asked question number three, can I use timeout instead of spanking? And I would say, don't substitute timeout for spanking. Um, I don't think timeout, I think you're avoiding what the scripture clearly says uh, in, in it. If you totally eliminate spanking and do timeout. Second, Really, I think timeout prolongs the problem. Um, you might use a timeout when you see that your child is tempted to sin. So, for example, I see that you're thinking about leaving the yard and stepping outside the gate, which I said was not allowed. So let's stop and think about this before you disobey. So... However, I would say I'm not referring to kind of maybe having a cooling off period before or after using the rod. So your child may need to be calmed down. Let's say they're in a fit of anger and they've hit their brother. Um, and they're just out of control. Well, you need to calm them down because you're going to want to um, spank them after they've understood what they've done and able to pay attention to you and you're able to have the conversation with them afterward about what it means to obey and about the gospel answer for our sin. So there may need to be a sort of a cooling off period before. What if my child says, but I didn't hear you? Well, I think that... Um, you shouldn't call your child a liar. It's unhelpful to do that. And there may be situations where you have a doubt about whether or not they did really not hear you. Um, you're going to need wisdom and discernment. Um, but you want to be training your children to listen for your voice, even in a crowd of people. You know, even, for example, in the melee that happens after church. <laughs> You know, you're going to want them to hear your voice. You know, Jesus says, I call my sheep and my sheep know my voice and they come and follow me. <laughs> you want your sheep who, to know your voice and to know that they're supposed to obey you, even if it's loud in the room. OK, um, so Ted Tripp 
says that he began spanking for a recurrent hearing problem. <laughs> and it was amazing, but the hearing improved dramatically. Uh, um, here's an objection. If I follow your counsel, all I'll do is spank. And um, there may be days when you feel like that. Um, but I don't think that you will end up only spanking. Uh, faithful dis biblical discipline brings more obedience, less strife, more joy, less challenges, and more peace to the home. And there may be a bit of a mountain to climb, so to speak. It may be difficult to get into these patterns and have your children know what to expect. But the more faithful the discipline, the more responsive the child. So uh, if you'll remember last week, we talked about be consistent. Be consistent. And we talked about both parents being, having the same standard. So if you're not consistent and you both have different standards, that's going to be really confusing and it's going to make it so that you probably are using the rod of correction more frequently. What if I'm too mad? Get your spouse involved or take a time out yourself <laughs> to get under control. Don't, um, don't pollute the process with your unrighteous anger. If you want to deliver the spanking, you're not ready to do so. If you're just really eager, I'm, I can't wait to spank. <laughs> you're probably not ready. In fact, it's better not to spank than to spank in sin. So, yeah, and I would say that if you do spank in anger and you do spank unmeasured and out of control, you need to apologize and ask forgiveness of your child. Um, you need to teach your child that you're someone under the authority of God too uh, and that that's the biblical response. Now, that doesn't mean, okay, you don't forfeit your parental authority from then on. You might, you know, a discouraged parent might think, I, I can't do this. I'm just too bad at this. I get too angry. You know, and then they, they stop uh, using the rod of correction or exercising authority over their children. And that's not good either. It's a responsibility God has given you regardless of how good or bad you are at it. And you need to seek to have the Lord help you grow in it, if that's the case. What if we're not at home? Well, that's going to happen too. <laughs> if the child is older, they're going to remember while they're being disciplined when they reach home. You can say, listen, when we get home, you're going to get a discipline. Now, if they're younger, you may have to overlook an infraction, you know, some disobedience when you're out. But this shouldn't be a big problem since most of your training time is while you're at home. Um, so you need to make sure it's happening at home. Uh, that will help limit the number of times when you're out. Um, he has another one here. Uh, I'm trying to get out the door to make a doctor's appointment or be on time for church, and my child disobeys me. Do I discipline and show up late? <coughs> Maybe. Maybe you do. It depends, on, it depends on what it is you're going to be late for. Or, you know. Um, 
And so, yeah, you just, you need wisdom for those situations. But there might be times when it's, you stop and you say, we're just going to be late because I need to deal with this right now. Um, all right, it's 11.11. I apologize, I've gone a little bit later. Um, just one last verse and then I'll, I'll ask for questions. Uh, Hebrews 12.11, I'll read it to you again. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Now, let me, let me address one thing, and this thing you, I'll just, I'll pick my own question here to address first, and that is um, when to use other types of punishment. If in, in the Ted, uh, Ted Tripp book, um, Shepherding a Child's Heart, he rejects what he calls, um, what did he call it, punitive, uh, he, he, he calls it an unbiblical method, and he's saying just um, finding other, other ways of punishing. And basically what he's talking about is um, some type of punishment apart from spanking, that uh, doesn't include a biblical communication that tries to reach the heart. Um, and he, he picks on uh, particularly the idea of grounding. Are you all familiar with the idea of grounding a child? You know, typically older, typically a child who's able to go out to maybe a friend's party or uh, you know, go to the mall with another friend in their family. Um, and you might say, you're grounded because you've disobeyed. In other words, you have to stay in your room for some period of time. And he picks on that, and I think, I think that I, could, I can see where that would be unhelpful. I think, you know, for example, he says, uh, for example, this uh, family grounds their teenager for three weeks. They have to stay in their room for three weeks, only to come out for school and meals. Yeah, I just don't think that's helpful. I don't, that just, look, look, a child uh, will, basically you're putting them kind of in solitary confinement. House arrest. <laughs> for, yeah, house arrest, right? For an extended period of time. And honestly, usually they have a lot of things in their room that can occupy them. <laughs> it might not be actually that much of a punishment for them. Um, especially if they've got a computer or a phone in there. Um, yeah, that's just not helpful. Um, so, but I do think, I do think that you can mix into spank, with spanking, you can take away privileges if you're sure that it's going to hurt, yeah. right? Um, and you're sure that your child is going to be able, where, whenever the privilege is taken away, um, that when that happens, they're able to associate that with what they did wrong. Does that make sense? So I think, and, and then there must, it can't just be the punishment, there must be the conversation as well that tries to get to the heart. So I think that's mainly what he's trying to um, criticize when he talk, talks about just this punitive measures um, against a child. So yeah. Brian, just to be clear, you're, you're saying that um, other punishments but don't neglect the wrong. I think that's right. That's right. Especially in young children, zero to five. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's helpful. But you may, you know, like for a, a nine-year-old or a ten-year-old, you may say you're not able to have any TV time today. Um, and um, you understand why, don't you? you? Because you disobeyed. And when you disobey, it's sin. And, you know, you, can, you try to get to the heart. Um, but, and you need to make sure that it's painful, quote, unquote. <laughs> Which is always like a moving target. Pardon? That's always a moving target. It's always a moving target. You're always evaluating what's painful, you know. It changes with time, so right? 50 years ago, grounding might have worked. Pardon? 50 years ago, grounding might have worked. Because in the room, there was nothing else left. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Solitary confinement, you know, just a little, you know, little window on the door, you know, maybe a slot that you slide through some gruel in a tin tray. <laughs> Make sure there's bugs crawling on it. <laughs> like a really bad prison. <laughs> One of the things you were talking about is to, to do the punishment in private, right? I think you specifically talked about spanking. Now, let's say if the form of spanking was more of a, uh, as you said, pressing the hand or a flick on the hand and so on. I've also noted that children are so, you know, they're smart in their sinful nature, right? So they know when they'll get punished and when they'll not, so that they know when to push the boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. So they especially their behavior actually drops the moment you leave the house because they know that they're not going to get punished yeah. if they disobey in that situation. Yeah. Sometimes I find it more prudent to say that, okay, yes, I mean, let's say there are, there are certain things that even when you're outside, yeah. you are going to get punished and you're not going to get away with the fact just because you're outside the house. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think before you go to the mall, for example, to say really clearly, I want you to hold my hand the whole time and I don't want you to pull, pull away or run away from me. It's not allowed. That's my expectation when we're there. Uh, so, you know, making expectations. Of course, that's more helpful the older the child is. Uh, but you may need to kneel down, get in their face, explain the expectations. Do you understand? You know, and then, yeah. Any, any other questions? I'll take maybe a couple more questions. The how to use the rod of correction? Yes. Yeah, I think I think swats on the leg, for example, or a squeeze of the hand, or a swat on the hand. Um, they, yeah. So you're you're. You're getting their attention. It's painful in a small way. Um, yeah. So you're going to need wisdom. Any other questions? Uh, how will communicate for a second thing? Let's say it's 20 hours. Tell him what he has done, how to do it. Yeah, I think, you know, even for a one-year-old, um, you, might, you might begin teaching them, no, no, you may not touch, you know, and obey. your tone of, <laughs> obey, obey, yeah, I've heard Charlotte screaming, obey, obey, obey. <laughs> 
Yeah, she's, that's when she's in the midst of coming to grips with her own inability to obey. <laughs> obey, obey, it's not working. <laughs> um, yeah, they understand no. They, they understand no. No. No, you may not touch. I think, you know, that's one of the first things you're teaching a very young child is physical boundaries. You can't touch that, you know. Don't touch the remotes. You know, and you might, you might, uh, I'm sure if you have really young children, toddlers, you know, and they start cruising everywhere, you know, you may take, you may toddler proof your child to some degree, but you're not going to be able to uh, turn your house into like completely toddler proof, you know, uh, so, so you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to do some of that, telling, teaching them no, they can't touch the stove. Um, or like they can't flip over when you're trying to change their diaper. That's sure, sure. Arching, arching their back and flipping over when you're changing a diaper. They know that. They're doing that intentionally. That's not just an. That's not just a. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for when you have some kind of muscle response? Reflex. Involuntary. It's not just an involuntary reflex. No, it is a voluntary reflex. I know how to arch my back so that you have difficulty doing what you're doing to me. Yeah. How would you... Um, like when you have... This might be specific to us, like kids the same age but who respond differently to physical punishment. Like, how do you correct one differently from the other in front of each other? I mean, yeah. Or I think you should have the same standard, the same expectation. But like you say, one might be very compliant. Um, and maybe they get one SWAT, and the other one gets six SWATs. Um, so... Yeah, and one might require far more conversation than the other one requires. But I think that's fine. I think your goal is enforcing the boundary and trying to get to the heart um, and you know, using the rod of correction to cause some type of pain so that they associate that with disobedient behavior. I feel like, like growing up, uh, there was always this disparity of like, why do I get hit more than my sibling? Mm. So I I feel like overly conscious uh -huh. about wanting, well, not wanting really, to. Did you disobey more than your sister? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the question, right? Yeah. So yeah. we're not we're not looking for fair in terms of like you know one child gets disciplined the same amount of times as the other. But if one child is more disobedient, they're going to get more discipline. Mm -hmm. Plus, also, I think their natures are different. And I know for us, ours weren't exactly the same age, but they were close in age. And we had one who would just, like, weep and cow, you know, and repent before we could even spank her, hardly. And another who was like, good luck catching me while I <laughs> run away, you know? And so they just had different temperaments. And, yeah. So it's okay to yeah. marry punishment. Yes, it is. It is. It I mean, is I think you want to have the same expectation of behavior. Yes. Yeah. But, yeah, it's completely likely to have different 
degrees of disobedience in different children. Um, like, yeah, our second oldest was very compliant and very sensitive to discipline. I, I don't even, I maybe spanked her a few times, I can't remember um, actually doing it, to be honest with you. Um, but then the third oldest was, Leah was probably the most disobedient of all of our children. Um, and now she's got a child who seems particularly disobedient. <laughs> and, you know, Leah, Leah will call us and like, be like, I've spent all day spanking this child. Like, it just goes on and on and on. And, you know, she's, she's like, I don't know what to do. I'm at, I'm at the end of my rope. You know, it doesn't seem like it's working. And I'm saying, and this is a three-year-old. So, and she is a little imp. Um, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I don't know. I think her husband was also very disobedient as a child. But he, sa he says so. All right. Let me close us up. And we can. I'm happy to talk to any of you all at any time about follow-up on this. I'm sorry I went uh, much longer today. So, And the music team needs to uh, get started. So let me close us in prayer. Lord, thank you so much that you um, have disciplined us in our life because you love us. We pray that you'd help us know how to do that. Use the rod of correction in our children's lives. For your glory and your namesake. In Christ's name, amen. amen. amen.